use all the things you trust and all the elements of the process that work for you, but you can have a little bit of wiggle room and you can uh, add in a bit of your own personal flair uh, to ver and everyone can do their own, every practitioner research can really add their own dynamic. Uh, I, I do me, but you do you. This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel, a top-rated live stream and podcast in the market research and insights industry. We stream live on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, and you can listen on all major podcast channels. Join Jen and her guests for a weekly discussion around topics that will help you understand your customers better. Real Talk is presented to you by Vox Pop Me, the leader in video research and ranked number one in qualitative research by Grit two years running. Here's today's conversation. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. I'm your host, Jen Vogel. It's been a while since I've said that. We've just coming off of a, a little bit of a break, so it's really good to be back. One way to keep research interesting is by being creative when we roll it out. But how do we do that in practice? And are there, dare I say, creative ways to be more creative? To discuss the topic, I'm joined by Daniel Burkall, SVP of Research at the Palmerston Group. Welcome to the show. Hello. How so are you? Here today. I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm also pretty okay. I'm actually good. I'm really good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I am better now having you here. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation today. So cool. to kick us off, um, I've got a new question that I'm asking all guests on the show, and that's what does agile mean to you? Oh, uh, that's a buzzword um, to me. Uh, I, so whenever I hear the word agile, I kind of tune out right away. And the reason for that is it's used so frequently. I, I get it. I get the idea of not wanting to wait till the end and wanting to kind of uh, iterate time after time and not go for one huge leap. But it feels very buzzwordy to me. And I like buzzwords, but I also, they scare me a bit. Um, I, th I think in this business, we have to listen to uh, the words our clients use, but a lot of clients use the word agile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you think, Jen? No, I think it is a buzzword. And that's exactly why I want to ask people that come on the show what it means to them, because I think that that's the way that we take the terms like that, that are buzzwords and maybe don't have a lot of meaning on their own and actually give it some meaning. What does that mean to you when people say, hey, I, I want my research to be more agile? Well, what does that mean? Um, and actually coming to a collective definition of what that means to people, I think is the way that we take it from being a buzzword into something useful. I, I don't think buzzwords are bad things at all. Um, and to be honest, we're talking about creativity today. Creativity is also a buzzword. It's something mm -hmm. that's constantly mentioned, innovative, creativity, agile. I mean, you can throw a whole bunch of these words together. Um, buzzwords don't mean things are bad. Uh, they just, uh, they, they focus on trends in the industry. And I think they're, they're worth listening to, but also with a grain of salt. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting take on it. And I, I like that, yeah, what you said, buzzwords are not bad. Um, it, 
it's just something to take with a grain of salt. That's great. Um, so let's talk about creativity then. Um, mm -hmm. You are famous for sharing your creativity tips on TikTok. Um, tell us why creativity in research is so important to you and, and really how you put that out into the world. And again, I, I think the word, saying that I'm more creative or less creative than someone else is complete gobble. I mean, it's not. There's no truth to that. Um, but what's what's ended up happening is a lot of clients will turn to us and turn to me when they want to do something different. And different doesn't necessarily mean very different. Uh, I like creativity because after years of working in market research and seeing the same things over and over again. Clients asking for things like as a menu item kind of list. I, I like keeping things a little bit different and really for three reasons. One is to uh, keep the client more engaged. If clients feel that things are interesting, they'll get more engaged. A second reason is to keep my team engaged. Uh, and the third reason, the most important reason, is to keep myself engaged. I have the attention span of a very small animal. And I, be, because of that, like, if I'm not totally bought in, the work won't be very good. And I firmly believe that everything that I touch should be very good. Um, it's just a, a pride in, uh, in practicing that I, I, I hold and a lot of other people hold as well. Um, so it's really keeping everyone really engaged. That's really interesting. I like how do you determine like the why behind doing something different or getting getting into a creative space like so just to sort of avoid the like doing something different just for like different sake. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think there are really basic rules to how you do things. So doing different for different sake, there is a little bit of benefit to that cuz our business is all about kind of the sizzle and the steak, right? It's about there's the actual uh, learning new thing part of research, but there's also the engagement, engaging your clients, engaging your, your internal audiences. Um, but the rules that I use when kind of trying to figure out where something works is, number one, every action has to benefit the client in the end. Uh, that's what we're doing things for. Um, every action you take, every different thing you want to suggest has to take the cost into um, into account. So you don't want to suggest things that are going to be blowing the budget in any way. Every action you take should add value. And the fourth kind of element that I use is the for, for adding something different to research is uh, something that I call the would you tell someone test. And I want to work on projects where even though we ask for confidentiality, at the end of it, I want every client to be able to go to their spouse or their friends or their uh, or their colleagues and say, we did this really cool thing. And if they can start off with that, we did this really cool thing and they showed that segment, that, that really builds engagement as well. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, I love that test, first of all, like, would you tell somebody that's, that feels like, I think that's often been a topic of conversation, just like, what's an insight? Like, how, like, I love that very simple barometer of like, is this interesting enough that you would tell somebody about it? That's, that's really great. But I'm sensing the theme is really about engagement, because the best research with the best insight, if 
the, if you're not excited about conducting it, or if the people you're sharing it with aren't excited about hearing it or aren't engaged with what you're sharing, then it's kind of useless anyways. Totally. I mean, Jen, we've worked this business for a long time, right? Um, so much research is, it's not that it's bad. It's just not interesting. And I, I don't want to touch things that aren't interesting. And it doesn't matter the product. It doesn't matter the, the, uh, the, the client. It doesn't matter the audience. But there's always a tactic that you can add to your work to make things more interesting to you. And that might be what the essence of creativity actually is. Yeah, so let's talk about some examples of that. Like, what are some maybe creative approaches or actually maybe before we even get into the examples, how do you think about creativity on like the sort of the input of the research, how you're conducting it versus the output of the research and how you're sharing it and socializing it with whoever your stakeholders might be? Yeah. So I think if you're going to go down the route of keeping yourself engaged, it has to be throughout the entire process. Mm -hmm. um, on the we, like on, on our team, we put so much thought into how we do things. We don't go off a playbook. We don't use uh, like a standardized kind of list of, of items to, to start a discussion guide. We think to ourselves, what's the smartest way to do something, whatever it may be. Um, and we, we've done a lot of different, uh, your second question was around uh, creative, creative approaches we've used. Um, mm -hmm. We've tried to borrow equity from other elements in the world. So like we've done a number of approaches where we ask participants to act like they're on a reality TV show. We actually cast people for reality TV shows on a regular basis, not in real life, but in, in like the client life, right? And uh, that's been a very effective uh, strategy. Even another kind of before the reporting way of being more creative is in the recruit recruiting conflict groups or recruiting very polarized recruits where half the audience is, let's say, staunchly Republican, half are staunchly Democrat for a non-political kind of uh, audience just to see if that kind of tension will play out in better responses along the way. Um, we've done things where we uh, do extremely short interviews, 10-minute uh, interviews with people where it's a barrage of three or four questions and that's it. That's been a really interesting way of doing things. I, I can go on and on, I mean. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Um, I really wanna hear more about this like casting for reality TV. I Or just in general, it's sort of like taking people and not like doing research in a non-research environment. Right. Like not thinking about, hey, let's how do we get 12 people sitting around a table doing a taste test or whatever, but actually like put them in a, an environment where they don't feel like they're being researched. Is that right. kind of like what you get out of that? that? That's the exact thing you get out of that. If you ask someone, I mean, you, you've answered the telephone before when someone answers, calls you and says, hey, do you want to take part in a research project? Right away, your face goes blank and you're like, OK. And you think about how many questions you can answer to get the $100 like payout, right? Um, but when someone wants to involve you in a really immersed reality TV show or a, an incredible experience, that totally reframes the way people think about taking part in something. 
And taking part is taking part. People are people. People act like themselves, even though certain elements about them may change. They may dress differently. They may use different words. They may act in a different way. A little bit. You can still get elements of someone's personality without having to put them into the research silo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. So, you know, you kind of like get people to break down their walls a little bit and, you know, maybe behave in a slightly more authentic way, potentially. I mean, that's um, certainly would be a benefit. Like, how do you then as a, a researcher take what you've learned in this reality TV environment and package it as an insight. So, so well, that part is actually very similar to what I, I okay. believe everyone else in the business does. I mean, we're, I, I've worked at a, quite a number of companies and, and done this for quite some time. The, the academic rigor and the, um, the intellectual process of, of building out insights and, and understanding observations and making them into themes, that's very standard. The presentation of such might not be though. So creative ways of approach of, of approach and reporting can involve everything from designing podcasts for busy executives who don't have time to read through a PowerPoint presentation. And so on the way to work, they can listen to a 20-minute recap of the research. That's been a very effective way we've we've presented information. Or or building, you know, three-dimensional models of things, um, or, or approaching things theatrically. Um, if we have to, we don't do different just for different sake, but in the right situation, it can work really well. Yeah. So, so Sorry, I'm not cutting you off. I'm so excited. Keep going. Keep going. That's cool. I mean, excited's good, right? I mean, that's, but it's all about emotion. The entire thing, like our business is about emotion. Um, there's, it's the study of people. And people have feelings, and those feelings can be sad, but they can also be really excited and really happy. Um, the way that I kind of really got a feeler for different approaches is we did a project like many years ago, I think 13 years ago, where I got to work behind the counter of a convenience stores for a summer as a methodology. And I became the employee uh, at, I called it at the time, America's Most Dangerous Convenience Stores. I think that's a bit of a sizzle there, but, um, and that approach and the fact that it turned out so well led me to believe that really there are no rules and anything's possible as long as you put it in the same kind of rigor uh, with, with the building of observations. It's more than I can talk about in a quick kind of 10 minute phone call, right? But are you getting my excitement? Is it coming across? It totally is. Yes. Um, so, I mean, to that point of like how you got started, that's super interesting about, you know, just kind of putting yourself in the environment and, you know, having a, an authentic experience that sound like this is a lot of what we're talking about, right? It's like authenticity, but how, what recommendations do you give to research teams who are trying to be more creative or, or want to get more creative in their approaches? I, I don't think you can try to be more creative, but I think going away from the rigor, going away from the uh, itemized process can often be a really helpful thing. Um, but when approaching creativity, there are lots of like advantages and disadvantages. And the disadvantages, being aware of them is very smart because you're gonna have to approach a client eventually and suggest something. And if it sounds kind of loosey-goosey or ridiculous, they're gonna be like, no, and they're gonna fire you. Um, so, <laughs> like, 
you, you, like creative approaches can often be seen as being expensive or wasteful. They're not. Um, the stuff we do probably not probably it costs less than almost every other approach out there. Um, just because you're doing something different doesn't mean it's more expensive. And there are so many tools out there, and as I mean, you guys are one of them, that allow you to really uh, stretch the limits of what's possible. Uh, everyone in the world is carrying a video camera in their pocket now. I can go on for a long time about this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, what's sort of ringing in my head, actually, Daniel and I met in person for the first time a couple of months ago through our mutual friend, Rob Volpe, and he is ringing in my mind and the book that he wrote about empathy. And one of the steps to empathy is about dismantling bias. Yep. And that feels like a lot of what we're talking about here, not so much from a perspective of trying to interview and understand people, but actually just from like exploring your own processes, like to move away from, and this is not limited to research, but just people in general, like how do you do your job on a day-to-day, -day, whether you're a researcher or, or in some other position, like moving away from the way things have always been done or the right way, quote unquote. I do think that like, that I love this industry. I've been here a long time, but that would be my one criticism. There is a lot of this is the right way to do something. Um, and I think that, the, that those do exist. There are right ways to do, do certain things. And then there are things where you can have some flexibility and some freedom to be creative and maybe dismantling some of that bias of what we think is right. The right way to approach something can help get a little bit more, you know, get those creative juices flowing, give yourself permission. So totally. And you don't have to rewrite the wheel, right? Rewrite, rewrite the book or remake the wheel. I don't know what it is, but you don't have to remake things. Like, Use all the things you trust and all the elements of the process that work for you, but you can have a little bit of wiggle room and you can uh, add in a bit of your own personal flair uh, to and everyone can do their own. Every practitioner research can really add their own dynamic. I, I, I do me, but you do you. Like um, I, I find that that, People are mirrors, and often if you act very authentic, people will act authentic back to you as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. Um, wh what are some of the reasons you think maybe people might have, like, struggle with creativity? Um, yeah. Like, again, people think in different ways. And uh, I think that what, what I've heard from clients and I've heard from colleagues as well, uh, often trying to be more creative can be associated with being more flashy or more sparkly or more colorful. It doesn't have to be whatsoever, but um, it can become unnecessarily complicated. It can distract from your goals. That's why I like kind of building a process where the first thing you think about is, does this action benefit the client or not? And if you always stick to your goals and stick to the end process, uh, the steps you take along the way can have a bit of wiggle to them. I'm speaking in my own language today, it seems like. <laughs> That's okay. I, okay. I, I am going to quote you on rewriting the wheel at some point, I'm sure. So, <laughs> well, it's great. from when we met each other. We met each other in, at a conference, uh, yeah, three or four months ago. And I remember, like, I think I, I got you, I roped you into a TikTok in like 10 seconds. Um, 
And that's it didn't what it was. go well, guys. It did not go well. It didn't go so well, no. Um, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Go okay. check out Daniel's TikTok if you want to see that blooper reel. I think it's on there. It's, it's at the Palmerson Group on TikTok. There you go. There you go. But I think that kind of approach is actually what is really interesting, right? Just like, you know, letting go a little bit. Um, I was at a different conference just a couple of weeks ago in Savannah, and one of the one of the speakers was talking about, you know, she, I quoted her on my LinkedIn, certainty is the death of innovation. And I think that like, yeah, like just always doing something a certain way really does block creativity. Um, but I think what's really important about what you're talking about is actually having some rules and guidelines. Like what you just said a moment ago, it's not about being flashy or loose or uncertain or, you know, experimental. It's about doing things with rigor just in a different way, um, which actually is tying back very nicely to the agile conversation at the beginning of this. But <laughs> I, I, I like how she gets this really nice, well put together quote. And my quote ends up being rewriting the wheel. Listen, I mean, we all have our creative strengths, right? Right. Yeah. So um, let's see, what else do I want to ask you about? What's the role of, you know, technology solutions, automation, any kind of like new um, things that are available to us in, in being creative? Does that like free up time for more creativity or just give us new ways to think about doing things? I, I mean, it, it's the most amazing time to be in our business, right? Uh, there are so many amazing tools that come out on a regular basis. And, and the, even though we, at, I know on my, on my side, I fought innovation as much as I could in the technological space. But like for recruiting, um, we've used quite a number of the uh, automated recruitment kind of uh systems that have video audition questions. I like that very much as a way of screening out to make sure you don't get like junk recruits. Um, that, that's been a simple thing that has really helped us because the worst thing you can do is set up an amazing project with really immersed, innovative thinking and then have a bunch of like people who can't participate fully because of um, their own limitations, right? And so having a video audition has been an incredible um, addition for for the recruitment side of our business. Um, I'm trying to think like automation stuff, like we do everything human to human. So for us, the real piece of automation that helps us is the recruit set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think um, having the right people, whether you're doing a traditional study or maybe a more creative approach, having the right people is the base the base level, right? Like if you don't have the right people, none of your research. Oh, yeah. is and, and like that, that game is not an easy game to play. Uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you probably work in market research. And my guess is 40 to 50% of all the people you talk to, the humans who you interact with are not exactly what you want them to be. And so I find that the, especially the video edition stuff, uh, making sure you know who your recruits are before they walk in the room to some extent, uh, that really, really helps us. Yeah, totally. And and to your point about the the recruit automated automation in the recruitment, like the less time you're spending 
finding those right people and making sure you're getting them, then the more time you can have to design these kind of different approaches. Oh yeah, and also because you're not limited to any facility or any room, mm -hmm. um, like actually uh, two days ago, uh, or I guess not two days ago, today's Monday. So on Thursday of last week, so five days ago, uh, we did a project and we decided to do it as opposed to in a facility where it worked totally fine. We decided to rent out a room at a loud restaurant because it was more lively and more interesting to do, more interesting for participants to be part of it. But we had to record it and net that clients listening in. So we used technology. We used uh, little uh, microphones in every person in the room. We video cameraed it from the side. They got to sit at a normal restaurant, acting like normal patrons, having a normal conversation. But we were able to use technology and teamwork to really build that into a, a, a usable piece of focus group-like data. That, yeah, I love that. That's exactly the kind of example I was I was hoping for. Like, you know, just the the theme that I'm feeling from you is really just like, hey, it doesn't have to be done the same old way anymore, right? You don't have to be in this environment with these people asking these questions with this standard discussion guide that we've always done, right? And, and, and don't get me wrong, like we do do that as well. Like we, totally. it, it seems like part of our bread and butter of our business is I like focus groups. They have excellent sandwiches. Um, and they have, uh, they're, they're nice cushy places for clients to sit in. There is a theatrical element, element of the one-way mirror. Um, but I don't think that's the be all and end all. And so I think that uh, having digital solutions, having um, the ability to move around, around the real world really helps you. Yeah, totally. So, you know, to your point, you're also doing focus groups. You're also maybe doing like, we're not here saying throw away all your traditional methodologies, guys. Like there's plenty of room for, for everything, right? But when do you make the decision? When do you make the decision to have a focus group with some great sandwiches? And when do you make the decision to go to a lively restaurant or to have that reality TV experience? Um, well, I, I, I don't think it has to be extremes. I, I don't think it, it, it really is as black and white as that. Um, it even could be as simple as if you're a focus facility and you don't like the sandwiches, change that to someone, one of your client's most preferred foods they had when they were in college. Figure out what the restaurant was they went to uh, when they were in grad school or whatever that may be and try to surprise them. That can be a creative way of getting more engagement from clients. Um, in the focus group facility, uh, just using one specific tiny little piece of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not suggesting by any means go all go all out and try to make the most immersive, crazy, award-winning thing. Um, and awards also are a buzzword too, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> well, you get an award for me today. So this is a this is a great conversation. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I think that like it's just for me a good reminder. And even in my role, like I'm not actually conducting research in my day to day for the most part. Um, but just being immersed in this industry and with these people, like just a, a good reminder to, you know, maybe think a little differently and 
Um, I know me personally, like I overthink everything. So I'm like, wait a second, we've got to do all the perfect stuff to get to the perfection, right? Like that's the goal is perfection, but um, it's not, it's, uh, you know, and maybe that's a little bit how we can be agile is to just. And there's the agile piece that I like. I mean, don't try to be perfect. Don't try to be, um, don't try to not get it wrong. Um, we all make mistakes. We're all human. And we all, uh, I just think put, put as much of yourself into the work you do as possible. That's the best way to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. It's really great to learn from you. It sounds like you're doing some really interesting things. And I know everybody's trying to get more creative and everybody wants, you know, their internal stakeholders or their clients to really pay attention and to share the learning. So um, these are some great tips for everybody. So thanks for coming on today. Cool. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be back later this week with another episode. Um, I'm chatting with Marnie Steph from Alita Beauty, Box Pop Me customer advisory board member. See you then.